0: to another edition of Tell Me a Joke to God i Chasing a Dream. I'm your host tonight. Come in, Kyle Smith. See the whole thing like a pimp named Slickback. And today I have the watchful eye, the onlooker, the the the, the, the nice guy with the with the camera, uh, Hunter himself. How you doing,
1: Hunter? I'm good. How about you? Ah. Oh.
0: I'm great, man. I made it down here. I made yeah. it down here safely in this uh, this sick ass weather that they got down here, man. This, it's it's it, pretty bad. This weather is disgusting. Oh my god! Uh, and it's I thought it'd be colder But I'm glad it's not as cold, you know. As we as we sit out here with the horns honking, uh, in in good old City Park, good old City Park. Uh, it, it's, it's it's not so it's it's not too bad. It's still it's still a beautiful sight even though it's it's gloomy. But you know, uh, so honey, your your what you do is oh, uh, if you'd like to explain to people what you do.
1: Yeah, so uh, I work on uh, movies and TV shows and commercials. I'm a uh, camera operator, camera assistant, lighting technician, um, and then I have a lot of niche positions, like an <laughs> underwater camera operator. Um, we do a lot of product stuff, and we get to have fun with it.
0: Uh Aha. Like, so is that, that, that has been your, your passion since you was a child?
1: Yeah. So, uh, I, I decided I wanted to be a filmmaker after seeing the greatest Christmas movie of all time. A Christmas story? No. It's, uh, it's Die Hard. Okay. So I was like, (laughs) I was like five years old and I'm watching TV with my, TV with my dad around Christmas. And, uh, John McClane drops Hans Gruber off of Nakatomi Plaza. And I'm like, ooh, I want to do that. Uh-huh. So I started learning about film and uh, took a break, got into music for a little bit, got it back out of music, back into film, um, and have been pursuing it ever since I was like five,
0: Oh, Jesus, that's a, that's quite some time. Doing what with music when you got into music? Uh,
1: my my aunt's an opera singer, so oh. she taught me piano, and I then sure. I learned guitar after that.
0: Yeah? It just uh, acoustic, bass? Uh,
1: electric. Electric. Yeah.
0: Uh-huh. Do you, so do you know how to play the bass?
1: Um, is, is it that different? It's It's not really. <laughs> I mean... The number of strings and the way you play it are, yeah. are the kind of big differences. Yeah.
0: I've, uh, I, I have I a bass myself. I, I, I told myself I was going to teach myself how to play it. I was going to YouTube it, but uh, it's more difficult than, than, I, than I thought, you know? you know? It's 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 like I, I need the time and the hours, and I once, don't have that.
1: Once you build up those finger calluses, it gets so much easier. Does it? Yeah. That's what I need? I need
0: the calluses on yep. the fingers? Okay. I'm gonna practice that. I'm gonna practice that. So basically, you just gotta practice practice frets and repetition of of certain.
1: I mean. Patterns. Like when I first started, I was in tremendous pain every time I'd I'd leave a lesson just because my fingers were so like, not really frail, yeah. but they were kind of tender. Yeah. And once I <laughs> once I was playing for you know a year. now yeah. I, was, I was still in school, so it wasn't like I was making movies or anything, but. Um, At the time, I'd run around with my friends at school, and then I'd go practice guitar. Mm -hmm. And once I I got the calluses on my fingers well, you know, created, then I was able to learn at a much better rate because I wasn't in as much pain, and I could really focus on creating the music. Man,
0: I wonder of that like, I've always, uh, I have a friend, he's Haitian, and he plays the guitar, and I've, I've always felt his fingertips, and I was
1: like, oh man,
0: like, these fingertips are real rough. Either that or you got real good grip. And I know I wasn't discerning between the two. But,
1: but uh, you don't necessarily need to play guitar to build up those calluses. Like, I've, uh-huh. I've got calluses on my fingers right now, but I've, you know, just been doing movie stuff for a long time. What is your favorite camera to work with? Favorite camera to work with? the next one the ne- <laughs> I I have worked with just about everything on the planet um, and they are absolutely phenomenal to work with but there gets to be a point where you're just like just bring on the next job yeah you know yeah what so uh, like are you good with drones I uh, actually just bought a drone like two yeah. hours ago. <laughs> two <laughs> hours ago. No, no, no. I, gotta I, get I, bought a, I bought a drone like eight years ago. And I flew it and crashed it and then flew it and crashed it. And, you know, it was it was like a $200 drone. Oh, Jesus. Um, but we, we were doing a shoot for a, a news station in the UK recently. Mm-hmm. And they needed some drone work done. And it was a last-minute thing, so we didn't have time to get all the... Uh, all the details in order. So I called a buddy and I borrowed his drone and flew it and the footage came out great. Uh And then I found one on sale and went and bought it like two (laughs) hours ago about 50 feet from where we're sitting right now.
0: (laughs) What do you like to shoot most?
1: I'm a huge fan of action movies, car chases, shootouts, anything that's big. Um, but in the past... So I, I've been doing this for like 10 years now. Ten. It, it'll be 10 years in January. I got the miles in there. Um... When I was young, all I wanted to do was action movies and mm-hmm. shootouts and car chases. And when you're fifteen, you know, a car chase is the coolest thing you can possibly do. That is fun. But uh nowadays I'm looking for much more like nuanced material, mm-hmm. trying to find ways to tell stories with eye movements and, and you oh. know, facial reactions rather than expositional dialogue and explosions.
0: Oh, Kinda of like a Jim Carrey Mass situation. <laughs> but not less not not as silly
1: kind of but I I don't know if that'd be the example I would use Mm -hmm. Um, there's a lot of nuanced performances in in TV shows and movies nowadays anything in the past like eight years has been filled with um, more of like muted performances that tell more about the character than going over the top Mm -hmm. you know
0: Oh. Okay, so well, that's fun. What What would you say is, what do you, so when it comes to you watching or you shooting action films, uh, what movies do you prefer to watch? Are they still action? Is it like, have you seen the newest Black Panther?
1: No. I, uh... Since, gonna, this, since you
0: do, <laughs> since you do shoot a lot of films, is that something that you don't do often? is go to the movies, just because you're like, ah, no, I no, no, nah, no, no, didn't movie, shoot that right.
1: Movies are great, but this is gonna get me in so much trouble. <laughs> I, am, I am not a Marvel fan. Oh no! I, I think they're they're too over the top. When when I like an action movie, I like it because there's a an air of realism to it. Yeah, you know it was one of those things that was like if i can make a cool action movie with moderate sized explosions not michael bay explosions <laughs> but like you know when when we were doing synchronic and we had all those mortar shells going off around the actors as we're oh. running through the battlefield um which synchronic on netflix uh phenomenal film um it, it felt real i mean it was a um it was a sci-fi thriller story mm-hmm. but there was such a a level of, of realism that the you know marvel films just don't have mm. I'm, I'm tired of watching everyone gang up to fight a, a blue sky beam. it's it's overplayed <laughs> and you know and I mean,
0: the truth comes out. Uh, hey, I feel that. I feel that it's not for everybody. Some people are still confused by it. my my wife. She's like, I don't. Okay, sure. If it's not Black Panther, I don't care. And it's like, I right. and she's like, just a bunch of guys in tights just running around.
1: But they're not <laughs> even together. I mean, it's it's all it's so digitally created that I mean, photos of the behind the scenes leak, and it's you know Scar and she's just up against a green screen. Yeah. And then the next day they film chris evans against the same green screen (laughs) you
0: you rather you rather it be all together and in the in the action if
1: you're gonna do a giant airport fight scene just rent Mm. out an airport and shoot a giant fight scene like nolan did for tenant ah that's you know so he rented out
0: a whole a whole airport for that
1: bought a plane to crash into a building oh jesus and i mean it's it's disney they have (laughs) the money to do these giant you know rent out a small airport put a couple planes there and do that big scene.
0: Now, what does it take to do a big scene like that?
1: So one of the and, fr- and
0: also, on, on top of that, how many takes can you do like
1: that? So when uh, when you're slating a scene, so the, the clapboard, we, okay. we put a bunch of information on it. Every new setup of the camera or new lens or new lighting change adds a new letter. So it starts with, you know, scene 14 and then goes to 14 alpha bravo charlie delta and so on and so on Mm -hmm. when you get to the end of the alphabet you reset and it becomes a a b a b Mm. a c a d so the the first feature i ever worked on uh originally it was called juggernaut Mm it was back in 2016 2015 um, it's been renamed about three times now. I don't actually know <laughs> <laughs> what the current <laughs> title is. But we spent a week shooting the big heist towards the, the middle of the film. Yeah. And we went through the alphabet three times. Oh, Jesus. In one scene number. Because we had seven or eight characters. We had a bunch of B-roll. We had every single character had to have an over the shoulder and it had you know we had 15 20 angles of every fight scene there was like six fights in that heist there was a lot of material but the end result was worth it yeah and you know we spent a week on it It it's probably eight minutes in the final film Oh lord! but it's so good that it was worth a week of our time yeah how does
0: how does that feel having to do things repetitively like that when it when it comes to the, is it does it bore you
1: so when when i was looking for a um like my footing in the film industry i couldn't decide what i wanted to be and you know i i worked on lighting i worked on camera i worked sound i did some editing um eventually i realized that editing is just too repetitive it's the same eight mm. keystrokes over and over and over again and that yeah. just gets gets to me you yeah. know like the the beauty of camera work is every shot and every scene and every take is different and there's this level of like i don't know what's going to happen mm. there was there was this moment i was working on a comedy a couple of years ago and we decided that every letter on the slate because you have to say a word we were going to make it funny yeah. and it was like a sex comedy <laughs> so every <laughs> single word was a comedy so scene eight um assholes take mm, one yeah seeing uh Eight uh, buttholes, take two. And there, there's this story that I, I tell that um, I sent somebody to the camera truck to find something mm-hmm. that I, I needed for the shot. And after a few minutes of waiting, we realized we needed it, so we said, you know, screw it, let's just go shoot at the shot. Yeah. So it was scene eight. Charlie, or it's the letter C, was up on the slate. So mm-hmm. uh, I go slate the shot seen eight clitoris take one mark and then the person comes back into the room and they blurt out i found it yeah. oh my god everyone on the set was dying la- i mean the actors we we had to cut after like five minutes because we we were not gonna stop yeah um That's a hilarious. couple of people fell, fell out of their chairs it was it was a great moment um that you know that doesn't happen when you're editing that no. doesn't happen in yeah. the other industry no, you got to get to be in yeah. in the actual moment so doing something over and over again it's beautiful because it's different yeah but also the same
0: Mm. okay oh that's nice that's like a little <laughs> mantra the uh, uh like so what uh, what movies and or what things have you all worked on like saying so you've been doing this for 10 years like like what is your
1: what is your rap so i have been playing a game of streaming bingo <laughs> uh, Okay. <laughs> uh, i put every streaming service on this bingo card and the only one left is apple tv plus uh so i've worked for disney i've worked for hulu i've worked for netflix uh-huh. lifetime blumhouse a24 and just about everybody else under the sun oh that's awesome yeah so what movies have you worked on um so on netflix there are three films that i worked on and one film that i rented gear to uh synchronic Mm -hmm. starring anthony mackie and jamie dornan Mm. um eli eli okay eli was a, a paramount film um and the third one was called burning cane now i I rented gear to their production philip the director and i went to Noka together Mm. um and he needed stuff and i had it so i you know loaned or rented stuff to him yeah and that's the film that won best picture at tribeca best young filmmaker he was like (gasps) 19 when he won that award oh shit and then the film is now on netflix oh that's dope um on amazon uh there was this one film that's honestly probably in the top five that i've worked on Mm -hmm. called we all think we're special Mm. it's about uh these two guys and they're detoxing from alcoholism (laughs) but there's so much character development and it it's one of those things where it's a lot of show don't tell yeah Um, we got to do underwater camera operating we got to do paintball fights we got to do just an absurd amount of interesting footage within one location Mm -hmm. and that was the other thing is the entire film takes place in this one house Mm -hmm. and the the surrounding area so there's no like oh we went to the gas station and bought groceries it's literally all in the house in the woods on the river beach and driving around. Oh. Um, like it was really interesting to to know and I I, I've seen it before, that Mm -hmm. you can tell an entire story in in one location. Yeah. There's a a movie on Hulu called It's a Disaster. Mm -hmm. That uh, the whole premise of the film is it's a couple's brunch and then a dirty bomb goes off downtown. Oh shit. And they're stuck in there. (laughs) <laughs> and it it truly like unravels the psychosis of of the mind. yeah, and watching like each character succumb to their their primal urges mm-hmm. in the you know inevitability of their deaths oh, yeah. yeah so we we all think we're special was really fun because we got to experiment with those sort of things, and you know alcoholism was a new sort of thing i that January of twenty eighteen, mm-hmm. so I was. 21 Mm. so alcohol was pretty new to me at that Mm. point yeah um i mean not entirely so but it was one of those things where i'm like this is the real dark side of you know drinking too much oh and and so
0: looking at that through the camera did you did like how did that make you feel
1: it was it was one of those experiences where i was like i'm gonna be really careful because i don't want to be put in this situation yeah um and it it was one of those like scared straight sort of things but not intentionally yeah
0: (laughs) because it's it's still a a film that you shoot yeah
1: and you know there was this one night where we were filming in the pool Mm. so it's me and the director of photography i'm the focus puller but we're in wetsuits we're in the water and it's 50 degrees out oh, in the air. The water is even worse. Mm-hmm. So Aaron, the D- the DP, and I are bouncing between the pool, the hot tub, the showers, and drinking coffee and hot chocolate. <laughs> and it, there was a certain point where I'm like, do you want to have a drink to just keep our body temps up? Yeah. So I, I called a producer over and sent them into the house, and they brought us a bottle of tequila, and me and Aaron were drinking tequila in the pool just to keep our, <laughs> our keep our body temps up. Yeah, and it worked. <laughs> um, and I, I learned that day that I can drink and still work pretty effectively.
0: No shaky hand, huh?
1: No. Yeah. It. It. I mean, there's studies that say that having you know. A drink or two mm-hmm. while you're a focus puller can improve your focus pulling because you're less stressed, you're less in your head, and you can focus on things better than when you're like, oh my god, I gotta get this, I gotta get this, I gotta get this.
0: And a focus puller is basically somebody that manually pulls the focus, pulls so, the camera to focus.
1: Yeah, when, when an actor walks towards or away from the camera, yeah. I spin a wheel that spins. Uh, a glass element inside the lens that changes the focus mm. so when you're watching a film and you, you see an actor walk towards the camera when they stay in focus it's because someone like me is spinning a wheel and doing their job
0: <laughs> uh, what uh what camera do well the next one but what do uh, so you have your own equipment that you rent out yes what is the preferred equipment that you like to use?
1: For my own productions, I like Sony cameras. Mhm. I have 8 of them. Mhm. Because we do a lot of content where we need multiple cameras for a shoot. Yeah. Uh, when I'm doing a big movie, I like to rent a camera, like an Arri or a Red or a Panavision mm. DXL, you know, or, you know, a Sony Venice. It really depends on what the film calls for. Mm. Um, right now, we're filming a movie with uh, Tommy Wiseau, who mm-hmm. did The Room. Oh, okay. Uh And we're shooting on an Alexa mini LF, or as I like to call it, a MILF. (laughs) Um,
0: That's fun.
1: But we use the same lenses that he used on the movie The Room Mm -hmm. for this film that we're currently doing. Right. Um, You know, so everything has its own characteristics and... uh, knowing what will work best for your post delivery for your editorial for you know up until recently airy didn't really have a camera that Mm -hmm. was netflix original content approved yeah so if you wanted to do something that was netflix approved you needed to shoot on red canon Panavision, sony or or someone else Uh. now airy has cameras that are approvable by netflix um so it, it really oh, damn, opened they up
0: want certain cameras to be to be filmed on there to be used on their platform it,
1: it was based on resolution and uh like megabits per second file sizes Ooh, picky, and then picky netflix do it i
0: said Ooh, picky picky netflix <laughs>
1: They, they've had this list out for like seven years and mm. people still misunderstand it. <laughs> Anything that you shoot can go on Netflix. Yeah. There, there are people that shoot films on Canon T2Is, mm-hmm. which I bought one in 2010. That's when that camera came out. Yeah, There is content on Netflix that was shot on those cameras, <laughs> but for it to be a Netflix approved production... So like a Netflix original, yeah, it has to be shot on a camera on their approved list. Oh, but what, shit. what people don't realize is, if you're doing a Netflix approved production, they're more times than not footing the bill for production. So right. you can basically get whatever camera and lens package is deemed necessary to do. Huh.
0: That makes sense. Yeah, since they're giving the money anyway, to- yeah. Might as well just follow their guidelines. Yep. Oh, this is the cameras that they want. What's, so does, does a different camera style make it difficult to use? Or is everything just about the same, just depending on what quality you want from
1: it? There's Everybody makes their own look. So an airy camera is going to look different from a red camera, different from a Sony, different from a Canon. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of it is due to the lenses. You know, mm-hmm. Cook... Uh, x Expresses, which we used earlier this year, it's an anamorphic, very wide lens that has those sort of flares when you see a light switch. Hmm. Um, they have a completely different look from, you know, a Zeiss Compact Prime, for example. Uh-huh. Uh, so you, you pick a camera, you pick your your lenses, you pick your filtrate. <laughs>
0: We're back at it. We're okay. Okay. <laughs> so, looks and qualities. Uh, you just talking about how Aries, uh, the Aries camera, ha- has a different look compared to.
1: So, uh, every camera company makes their own sensor, and every sensor has a, a slightly different look about, like. Uh, the details and the highlights and the shadows and then like green shift versus pink uh all these things come together to create the look of a film um and then you take your lenses and you you have you know 60 different lens manufacturers and lenses dating back to like the 1920s that you can use on modern motion pictures And then you you take it a step further and you add filtration with like star filters or softening filters or you know Contrast filters all these things just help to to solidify the look of the film That hopefully matches the tone of the project and the story being told
0: now you've uh we've all witnessed the process of the pixels getting higher from like HD to 1080 to 4k to 8k. So like, how has that process been for you as,
1: as like the times, you know, so better back in uh, 2008 when the first red camera was announced and they were like, we have 4k processed raw data everyone started losing their minds (laughs) because the, the next best thing was the Alexa classic, which did 2k. Yeah. So half the pixels of this new red camera. Um, but for a long time I was against 4k just because the file sizes were gigantic. Most computers at the time, if you were like a, a low budget editor or, you know, camera person, you needed, you know, a ten thousand dollar computer mm. just to deal with that footage. Oh, lord. Um you know, and, and the sizes haven't gotten smaller and the processing has gotten a lot better, but um you know, people are are sh- I I've done films in eight K. Mm-hmm. There's a, a black magic camera that shoots twelve K now. Gee. It's just it's <clears throat> A couple years ago when I was thinking about what camera I wanted to buy, the question came up, do I want to buy a brand new red camera that does 6K mm-hmm. or do I want a used airy camera that does 2K? Mm. And some people are, you know, they, they have this dick measuring contest of yeah. like, you know, <laughs> we're going to shoot an 8K because it's the best resolution. And I'm like, give me a good story and a decent sensor, which... For me at the time, I would always pick Airy over Red because I, I liked the look of airy cameras. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I like to push these cameras to the limits of their abilities. And it was much harder for me to push Airy to the point where it wasn't usable, where it was easier to push Red, like night scenes. Oh, darkness. okay. Um, you know, very quiet scenes because the Reds were notorious for just unbelievable fan noises oh really there was like there there were jokes made about um shooting on physical film Mm. which is absurdly noisy because you've got like the real real type of film Uh you've got um celluloids that are moving 24 per second going through this image plane and that's quieter than some of the first reds oh <laughs> it was just one of those things that was like if you wanted to do a very quiet nuanced scene mm-hmm. you had to film from outside mm. and that was a problem
0: yeah so just just so all of the uh, the background noise wouldn't pick up on the camera that's that's why so what what does that look like that transition can, how can you How much clearer is 12K than 4K and 8K? Like, what are you seeing now compared to what you were seeing before?
1: So everybody's always talking about, oh, I have a 4K screen on my phone. Mm -hmm. The human eye can't detect pixels that closely. Mm -hmm. For you to get a true and proper visualization of 4K, you need to have a 55-inch TV or larger Mm. So for them to say we have 4k pixels in our phones means nothing <laughs> 4k camera great I'll watch every single thing I ever film on it on a 55 <laughs> inch TV and it'll it'll actually make sense uh-huh. so The other thing is nobody If you're watching the news you're watching 720p footage mm-hmm so 720 is hd okay then you have full hd that's 1920 by 1080 okay that's what we've been shooting in for 20 years at this point right you know the first digital cameras um they'd start shooting you know hd and that was a big thing the only thing that actually streams in 4k is Netflix and Hulu and these other streamers. Mm. But you have to have the network to handle 4K, a 4K player, and a 4K TV. Mm. And I have a 4K TV and I have a 4K player, but I don't have the internet infrastructure to justify 4K video. So I save money and don't pay for the 4K Netflix job. I, I do HD, if even that. And it, it goes, you know, I still have stuttering issues. So, what are you getting? Just a a, 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 a more crisper picture? It's not only really about the crispness because <laughs> if you put a vintage lens on a brand new camera, it's not going to be crisp. Mm. the The beauty of high mega or high pixel ratios is more for the editorial side of things. Mm. So, um. If you're doing a film with a lot of visual effects, like a Marvel movie, those extra pixels, the Uh, the double the pixel count a 4K to 8K, you have so much more ability to paint realistic images and stabilize the footage and crop in yeah I, I was talking to one of the lead editors on mr. robot a couple years ago uh, mr. and robot. they shot in 8k on that show but because it was on cable it was being pipelined down to HD or full HD. Now they used the 8K sensor so that they could do all of those reframings. And I, um, I don't remember the guy's name, it was Peter. He was saying that they could pull three or four different shots out of one image because of how large the sensor was and how small the deliverable was. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, even if you shoot in 8k, you're still delivering in 4k or less Mm. It's just how it is. There's a movie I worked on in Kentucky with five Academy Award-winning actors Um, two of them have passed on but uh, We shot in 5k on a red Gemini and I bought the movie on iTunes and I looked at the specs on it Uh Uh-huh the itunes deliverable was hd (laughs) so it might have been because i didn't buy the 4k but what i was watching on my computer and my tv was hd out of what was originally shot in 5k is
0: (laughs) Uh, in my head i just think about it i'm like you can tell you can really tell a difference when it comes to certain especially certain games that you play when when the quality is much crisper but most of the times I look at it and I'm like I I don't I don't want to see all the features like like now that you can see people's features and like the quality of it it's Mm -hmm. like I don't
1: I don't think I want to see that well and that's part of the reason why I was so adamantly Mm -hmm. against you know the, the pixel dick measuring contest yeah. because more pixels doesn't mean better picture yeah and at the time and i probably still to this day i haven't used the newest red cameras but um the airy cameras were better and softer on skin tones mm. than anything else and you know it's probably because they've been around since 1932 mm-hmm. making cameras and lenses and lights
0: what do you think about these phone cameras like iphone film? No, no 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 no, phone just like phone cameras the, yeah phone cameras the, the the cameras on the phones like because they with each phone that that starts to come out they get better and better like i because you you know you're a big film guy you're like you, you look through actual like real real good lenses but what you think about these these phone cameras and then how they take pictures
1: it's one of those weird debates where <laughs> I've, I've always said that you can put any camera in my hand and you give me the budget to get decent lighting and i will mm-hmm. make a pretty picture yeah um I've seen beautiful films shot on iPhones. I've seen terrible films shot on 100,000 dollar red packages. Mm-hmm. It's it's not about the camera, it's about the story. The lighting and the sound you've, you've said that you, you that's so many times i like yep. i like that i like that. <laughs> it's about the story
0: and I always. it's just like that's just like rapping it's it's most of the time it's, it's usually not about the rapper because they suck it's it's all about the producer who making the beat it was like well, that's, a,
1: that's why uh, i don't like marvel because we're <laughs> always fighting a blue sky beam <laughs> i mean like don't get me wrong iron man one and two i mean at least iron man one solid film no blue sky beam it was a nuanced <laughs> well-told story that launched one of the largest franchises ever
0: i, I do i do enjoy but iron man just I, 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 that made me fall in love with robert donna jr mm-hmm. and then tropic thunder came out <laughs> And I was like, "Aha! you are the man. I'm a dude playing a, a, a dude, dude disguised, disguised as another dude. dude. <laughs> <laughs> Good times. What about, uh, so uh, what is the, uh, how do you feel about silly movies like that? Like, how, how many silly movies have you worked on like that? Or is it all just serious that comes down the pipeline?
1: I've worked on a fair number of comedies, but it's for me it's not about the film it's about the experience of mm-hmm. working with the people on set mm-hmm. i you know I, I get these calls and people are like will you hire me again i'm like well you're great but you're not fun to work with <laughs> or you're you know you have stuff to learn but we had a blast working with her we we shot the shit we were having work beers at the end of the day like we we were chill Mm -hmm. and i will always pick someone who is competent but is more pleasant to be around than someone who's the best but the absolute worst to deal with Ah. because a good person will make a set experience a bad person will ruin it
0: oh shit
1: <laughs> so you you want to
0: pretty much a good energy to be around when actually when you're shooting and such
1: it's important yeah,
0: mm. yeah. So, uh, so behind the magic um, when it comes to shooting comedy like that how many takes
1: is really happening and is it funny the 15th time if you have to do 15 takes of a comedy shot <laughs> you're not doing something right <laughs> you're doing something wrong <laughs> Um, is it usually one hit, one go? Like, there's, there's a few different schools of thought when shooting comedies. Mine is I shoot on as many cameras as I can effectively get in the scene and try to get it in two takes. Mm-hmm. Um, two scripted takes, because usually the writers that I work with are phenomenal about coming up with... Funny material that's not just, like, bottom-of-the-barrel humor. Yeah. And and that's the other thing is I like nuanced humor. Uh, I don't want to look at a, a slapstick comedy anymore. You know, it's, it's mm. not 1915. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Tell I, me about it. I was it. talking about this last night at, a, at an event. Um, in uh the edgar wright movie at world's end Mm -hmm. came out and it's it's about um it's the i guess the third part of the cronetto trilogy and it's about a group of friends that come together to complete the miracle mile which was 12 pubs that they had to visit in one night. Oh, that was
0: with uh, Sean from Shaun yeah, of Sean Day. and the Day. Yeah, I enjoyed every, that movie. Yes.
1: That movie came out the same weekend that Grown Ups 2 came out. Yeah. Grown Ups 2 made $80 million its opening weekend. I also enjoyed that movie as well. $10 million. <sighs> So, the... L- calling it lazy is wrong because it wasn't a lazy film. But that sort of comedy outperformed what to me arguably is a better film. Mm-hmm. Hmm. It outperformed it. So, um I mean, they made more in the box office by 70 million dollars that weekend.
0: So, did you enjoy the film yourself?
1: i loved a world's end i thought i mean nothing against adam sandler but i'm just not a huge fan of his comedies <laughs> uh and i i haven't taken the time to watch his dramas so uh, you know it's just one of those things He is
0: something different when it comes to drama it's like oh okay you really got into it and that, that's really good like uncut gems is something that everybody talks about and it's like hey That's really good that you did this. Like it's it's very believable and such. Like you really feel it. But Mm -hmm. you know, uh, I I I watch him and I'm like, good, good. Stick
1: to doing this because stand up is not your thing. Well, when when I was ten, his movies were great. But as I you know get older, it's it's, like you didn't grow older with us, like you're still doing this for ten year olds. My my friends, you know, we we talk about video gaming nowadays and they're like, Oh yeah, I just bought Halo Infinite or, you know, whatever big new shooters out and I'm like I stopped gaming like a long time ago. (laughs) I I had to go buy a PS four so that I could play The Last of Us Part Two. Ah, such a beautiful game. At, at this point, I will get on a game and play the campaign and beat it in a day or two, just for the stress release. Yeah. Like I'll, I went and popped in Assassin's Creed Brotherhood oh, the other go. day, and literally within eight hours, I had completed the campaign and was just running around in Vienna. Oh, that's, um, that's, that's, and that's I, a, I played the entire that's such a stress relief. Yeah, play the entire Ezio trilogy in like three days, um, because that was the pinnacle of Assassin's Creed. Was mm-hmm. those games? Mm-hmm. Um, and then they they tried to make it too big. Yeah, I to can't please I can't everybody, it. <laughs> I, and they I just I had to f- stop. <laughs> <the> tower fell. <laughs> I was like, "Y'all gonna keep doing this? This is gonna be the same thing." <laughs> I, <laughs> All right, I'm I bought Valhalla, and oh, you know, I tried. Yeah, to enjoy because uh-uh. Vikings was a great concept, yeah, but it didn't do it.
0: They had the one where it was on the slave ships, Black
1: Flag. Yep. Yeah, try to get one. the
0: try to get another culture in there. It's like, oh,
1: you almost got me, you motherfucker! Hey, you almost got me, but no, I well, was now, up. Now they've got one feudal Japan, which promises mm-hmm. to be really interesting. Yeah, you I, know, I hope it is. But it ain't no Ghost of know, Tsushima. I will. I will go keep playing. Sly Cooper and uh, freaking he, he L.A. New and Cooper. Saints Row because they're nice chill games that remind me of my childhood.
0: <sighs> my, is... my
1: biggest playlist right now is called When We Were Young mm. and it's My Chemical Romance and Fall Out Boy and All-American Rejects <laughs> and Green Day and Bowling <laughs> for Soup. It brings me Green back <laughs> to my grungy emo phase when I was young. <sighs>
0: I uh, that that's my nostalgic fit. Like um, they they continued on with uh, the God of Wars, mm-hmm. and uh, I've uh, I'm one of those uh, I like to play long adventure games. Like if I get a Call of Duty, I just play the campaign. I can't I can't do online anymore. I don't, I don't want like to. It's too know, much I, happening. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't care will, about all the DLCs and shit. I um, will
1: never be as good as the people that spend their entire days doing this, and that's fine with me. But they just try to rub it in, you know. I I'll probably get a one to one or a, a one to two, one to three KD ratio, mm-hmm. and I'll be happy with that. I'm good. And we we get into the lobby, and people are like, "Oh, how did you only get three kills? You know, wh- how is your KD so bad?" I'm like, "Cause I don't care. I don't. I, don't I have a <laughs> life. I go out and." Hang out with people. I go
0: have fun. I, I go. I go enjoy other people's presence, which is. It, it's always nice to be in the presence of another person, just to feel the energy of somebody else. Besides yeah, I, the radiation that this TV gives off. I,
1: I like adventure games. I, I, you know, have been getting more into reading recently. Oh. I, I will keep working on on film because that's what is fun. If if I. Just sat in front of the TV all day like I I used to when you know Halo Reach came out or, or mm. um, Brotherhood or Black Ops One. You know I I wouldn't be the person that I am. Yeah,
0: <laughs> and it was
1: great when I did that, but you know at some point you got to grow up.
0: Yeah, hey, hey, we've been been knowing you for quite some time, and You've uh, you've actually you wanted to. One of the people that actually first shoot one of uh, a special or a comedy show that mm-hmm. I was a part of, like a big production. You, that was the first time that I was ever bought of a big production like that. And you were you were one of the guys behind the camera. Was God, like, I, was a, I was a team lead on that. Oh wow! Oh, yeah. Yeah. Is that that's dope? Like, how many cameras did they have? Did they have
1: out there? I think it was seven or eight. It seems about right. That is, that is so much, and it felt
0: good to be to just be like, oh, this is so. This is what this is like. Usually, I, I don't know if it's for for most comedy specials. Is it that many cameras usually?
1: For something like a Netflix special, you'll usually get that many. Um, it, you know, like Dragons Den where we met. It probably like one if that. Yeah. Because they, you know. It's kind of hard to pay eight camera operators when your entire audience is you know 20 people yeah but um like you, you reference the uh the bo burnham specials on netflix mm-hmm. or uh bert the machine mm-hmm. you know they've got six cameras and a, a crane and all these other things that are just essential to really sell you in the experience because if you're staring at the same shot for too long, you're getting bored. Yeah. Um and yeah, it's cool, but like you know, the the Taylor Swift Reputation Tour video on Netflix has 30 cameras. <sighs> um and at that point, I had done a bunch of things that were eight cameras, like mm-hmm. you know, I hadn't worked with the revivalists at that, then, but I've done multi, you know, eight camera streams for them since. Yeah. Uh, and we've worked, you know, plays and, and musicals and, you know, opera shows where we just drop that many cameras in because we have the ability. And it, it really sells the product as this super professional setup when every camera setup is like two grand, three grand in total. Hmm.
0: Um how big how big is a crew usually for an eight camera setup?
1: I so the last live stream that I was like the head of was uh summer June of twenty twenty one. The revivalists were playing on Rolling Stone magazine's Twitch page. We had eight cameras running Um, I had two camera operators One of them on a gimbal running around getting the whole band and then one of them shooting uh, David the lead singer Mm -hmm. Um, The three of us set all the cameras ran all the cables and hooked us up to the network We had one sound person uh, Mac that the band brought and I was the engineer so I was handling the stream and cutting from camera to camera So that the audience mm-hmm. who was watching wasn't watching the same thing So that's that's the smallest scale is three people. Um, we did that at Preservation Hall um, but When we did one for n minor, which uh, Phil one of the guys from Pantera mm-hmm. was his new band um we had eight operator no we we five operators, four assistant cameras, two switcher techs, a producer, two sound engineers and a lighting person Ooh. but they had the budget for it yeah. you know it was justified. I didn't need eight operators on that live stream because it was a small space. And nobody was moving, so we, you know, set cameras and and let them run. Mm-hmm. That was just the workflow.
0: Mm. That's, that's that's years of experience, right there. Being able to put it down when you need to, man. And so when
1: they have the budget, we go big.
0: <laughs> Going big is always fun. This, 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 so this is what you imagined as a child, as a five-year-old boy, looking at the the greatest Christmas movie ever. This is this is how you imagine it would be going. You, you you thought it'd be a little bit a little I, bit different. I didn't
1: really know what the internet was back when I was five. Yeah, it's wild so though. We, uh, <laughs> I didn't think anyone had the idea of live streaming, but uh, no. So I, you know, I saw I saw Die Hard. I'm like, I want to do that. I want to be a stunt double. You wanted to stunt double. That was that was the original plan. Was I was going to be a stunt double? It's very drastic change. From yeah,
0: being behind the camera.
1: But <laughs> I I never had the physical endurance or the body type to be a stunt double. Yeah. And then I was watching behind the scenes of one of the the Jason Bourne movies. Oh. And the uh, um the camera operator jumps through the window. That Matt Damon jumps through. There's there's a scene in one of the Bourne films, I think it's the second one, where uh, they're running on the rooftop and then they jump through the window and the camera operator is on a harness and jumps right after him and goes through the window. And if you watch the film, you'll see the shot and you'll be like, that's how they did it. So I saw that shot and and I realized I want to be a camera operator. Ah, close because enough to I get to do the same thing the stunt guys do but I can live my life and not, you know, wear 20 pounds of makeup every day yeah. and do the same thing and you know, it's hard to to break in as an operator so I started as a as a utility and an assistant and worked mm-hmm. my way up and now I'm deeping films. Deep. <laughs> DPing films. That and
0: that's what's up like from the time that you put in to to now like this it's a lot to learn it's a lot to take in you you went to did you graduate for this
1: i uh i did two years of film training at noca Mm. and uh then i graduated and started working um a lot of conferences a lot of no budget short films i wouldn't make a penny um, and I'd drive out there and provide gear and, you know, all these things. Um, just kept doing it, putting my name out there. And then eventually I started booking decent-sized shorts that, you know, would have the budget to give me some money. And then shorts turned into TV pilots. Pilots turned into features. And now Whoa. I do, you know, eight, ten features a year. The little add with the step ups that's like you going to your uh open mic phase
0: getting it in that's that's, we all
1: all start from the bottom unless you have your leg up and can not everybody gets that leg up through and you know and i've made the mistake of personally i i think i jumped up too quickly there were times where i i was just not knowledgeable enough about what i was doing and probably burn bridges. Actually, not probably. <laughs> definitely burn bridges. <laughs> and, you know, found out years later that they wouldn't hire me again because, you know, of XYZ mistake that I made because I didn't know better. Mm-hmm. And it's not on them. You know, at mm-hmm. that point, they thought that I knew what I needed. And I thought I did too. And there was a, a difference in the level of knowledge that had to be there it's a learning process so So, um, i also made that mistake of a couple of the people that i work with i brought them up too quickly uh, and they burned themselves out just because they didn't know what they needed so i've I've had to be really careful about like how quickly i'll bring someone from the low level indie or short film all the way up to a feature
0: so low level is indie is more like independent films
1: well, i mean independent films are anything that's not backed by a major studio Ah, uh,
0: oh huh. that's kind of all right you see a hierarchy there like that that's something that you that comics were about well i i don't think about it well i think about it now but you know i haven't had to deal with it yet just because the status that i'm at but bringing somebody that you think is ready but really isn't ready just because they've only been doing it for so long, but I've seen people get tagged along and they've only been doing it for so long thinking that oh yeah, this person's gonna be ready for what it is and, and they it just I've seen them try to shoot up to you know where they think they should be at, but in their mind they're you know when you see it from the outside it's like you're not there you're definitely not there yet. You're definitely not there in in the position that you're being put in right now. Mm. Lucky for you. uh, Nice
1: kudos that you got here. But this was terrible. So to to sort of further that, what we're going to see in the next couple of years is comedians that have become massively successful through TikTok
0: Mm -hmm.
1: that haven't worked their way up from you know open mic nights with two people in the bar barely listening right and they they build up this massive group and then they go on tour and they do like a you know east coast west coast tour whatever and they just crash and burn because they they jumped from nothing to something Mm -hmm. and you know the beauty of tiktok is it's it's global the downside of TikTok is that it's global right you're not going to get people flying in to go see your shows from china no you know (laughs) so you might have a hundred thousand fans but you might only get 20 people that go to your show Mm -hmm. even if they book you a Mahalia jackson theater sized venue
0: to see you do something that oh you can't retake this yeah (laughs) you gotta give it to me on spot there's no redos for this and
1: I don't think people realize that yet because they're putting so much emphasis into like these content creators that that yes create great content, but they look at purely the numbers and they say, oh, uh, this artist they have or this comedian they have a hundred thousand TikTok followers, and you know a bunch of them are bots and a bunch of people just didn't unfollow and accounts are you know vanished and this that and the other but. Just because you have a hundred thousand followers doesn't mean you're going to get a hundred thousand viewers to your material right um and i'm kind of waiting for the day that people realize that oh i can't wait i can't wait for the crash and burn right (laughs) not that i want it to happen but but you just kind of of feel the ability
0: yeah and it's like (laughs) all right all right, you go ahead. Eventually, it's going to come. Everything, I mean, everything comes to a head, then it starts going downhill. Shit, you see where MySpace is at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this black Planet was a thing, too. Like, they all gone now. It's like, <laughs> shit. I don't really hear too much about Craigslist, neither. I mean, it's still a thing out there, but they ain't no more Craigslist killers. So, you know, like, what are we doing now? YouTube is riding strong, mm-hmm. but... It is only going to be a few that's going to withstand the, the test of time.
1: I, I read this statistic a couple of years ago. Um, in a single day, enough content is uploaded to YouTube that if one person were to watch just one day's material, it would take them their entire lives and then some. Oh, Jesus. Every day. <laughs> so since YouTube's creation in, what, 2003 they've uploaded millions of years worth of content so much yeah. we make shows out of it mm-hmm. so
0: much and you
1: that youtube reels are a thing people are going to start posting short form tiktok style content yeah I'm, I'm curious uh to see if elon is going to bring back vine really because vine got bought up by twitter and they shut it down because at the time Short-form content was not the future. And look but with the that. massive success of TikTok, revitalizing and revamping Instagram and Facebook and YouTube to create shorts, I'm wondering if Vine is going to make a resurgence, and hopefully that is how Elon's going to pay for his massive Twitter buyout.
0: It's got to be the monsters that take over these blockbusters. Mm-hmm. Something's gonna, something's gonna end something, and something's gonna, something's gonna thrive from it. We'll see. <laughs> That's wild. You think I gonna come back? Hey, man, it has things have gotten shorter and shorter, and it, it makes you worried about man. What about long form? Like you got to keep somebody's attention for more than thirty seconds to a minute now. I mean, they're giving you a minute thirty now on Instagram. It's like we got we? ten minutes on TikTok. <sighs>
1: I, so in, in my time at NOCA, uh, to pass my second year, we had to submit a film to festivals. That was part of the, the course requirement. Now I'd made films that I was proud of at that point. So I, I easily surpassed that. I'd, i submit a film to 10 festivals and, mm. you know, six rejections two you know, we'll think about and one, you know, yes, we're going to play it uh the f- first film i ever made at noka or the first like big class project we did played at a short film festival in slovenia oh nice um and they wanted me to go do a QA about it and i <laughs> looked in the tickets and it was like eight grand to <laughs> uh, fly out for the weekend it just wasn't worth it um but wish you could have skyped him back then huh <laughs> zoom for the win uh no so there was uh, me and a classmate we'd like spam through the the film freeway which is where we we're uploading the films to and we found one that was like the vine challenge mm. and we had to make a compelling short film in seven seconds mm. so i made a black screen white title card that says if this was any longer than seven seconds your brain would fill in the gap and create content in your own imagination <laughs> no sound literally just uh, fade in that title card fade out i hit export i uploaded it it premiered at that festival <laughs> oh, oh, oh. i made that Boom. in like three minutes artistry and it played in a festival. So simple festival and powerful. Yeah. Come on now. <laughs> That's dope. I mean, it was a psychological tendency. To, yeah. You know, yeah. If, if you close your eyes for seven seconds, you will think of something mm-hmm. to fill in where your mind is realizing that something's not happening properly. Yeah. Hell yeah! Shit, dumb as we, hell, but you man, know, it that eh, man,
0: that's shit. That's intelligent as hell. I appreciate that. That's I. I like where that goes because I did a whole lot of that driving down here from Texas today. It's like oh, I just drift off and be like, oh, and then think of something else because not too long after that, after that blankness, something else pops in my head and it's like oh, okay, I I can't just not not think of anything for too long before something else pops up in there.
1: And it can be really dangerous when you're driving and those sort of things happen.
0: Yeah, yeah, I know. I, I do have a, a tendency to to daydream, which is which is where I go all the time. It's how I think about good things. There's so many things that I thought about on the way down here. I wrote it all down. Not while driving, but, you know, in my mind, I wrote it down. I thought about some great shit. I did. I got some good things. It's like it's like in the shower. It's the best time to think for me, you know. So driving, I get to go ahead and escape for a minute. I still watch the road, but sometimes the world, the road watches me as I watch it, mm-hmm. and tunnel vision is the thing. That's so. The beauty
1: of carrying an audio recorder everywhere you go. Uh, wow. You get a random thought. You just hit record.
0: See, the- all my audio recorders went kaput on me. I had a Zoom at one point, and. I don't know what's going on with them. How do you just eat batteries like that? They just be eating up my batteries. And mm-hmm. I don't get
1: it. <laughs> it's uh, it's from Phantom Power. Uh, it's, nah, it's running 48 volts to every microphone that you have plugged in. And I'm looking at your recorder right now. You've got four channels armed, which means you're passing 48 volts to all four of those channels. Huh. Even though neither of these microphones need... 48 volts. So you could in theory turn that off and save excess battery life.
0: <clears throat> what, what would I record into then?
1: That recorder. You're just turning off a setting that is providing power. That's that's why none of us really use AA batteries for recorders just because they get eaten alive by the 48 volt that the some microphones require
0: huh that is a good thing to know now, now i know that i'm gonna definitely get a little backup charge
1: <laughs> like we, we could have mentioned
0: this in the beginning <laughs> we would went through all this trouble
1: <laughs> there's no trouble
0: at all this is it's good knowledge to know now i know and shit no one's half the battle gi joe <laughs> but Man, uh, this has been a good time, dude. Thank you. That's a, that's a lot of knowledge. I'm gonna go look up. I'm gonna go Google a lot of the things that you said, cause like uh, I was once in the cameras and I had my own equipment for a while, and I'd always come to you whenever it came to like learning about something or if if something was a good a good good enough quality. But like I, it's it's too much. I've seen I've seen what you do, and I'm like, oh, oh no, no, I can't. I can't get. I can't devote my time into doing this now because it what you do is it is an accumulation of years that you put in to get where you're at and i'm like oh no i i i don't have i don't have the the time the mental capacity to go ahead and keep up with it and oh boy you do some beautiful shit you do some amazing things like i like from the 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 comedy special that you shot for me that i've actually got to see uh, but never gotten I, it is it is amazing, and I'm like, all right, and you do you do a whole lot you do do so much, but I didn't know you did like until I get to talk to you now, like I didn't know you did like all that, and like you, yeah, I'm the guy that they appointed it's like, oh, you missed a man,
1: okay, hell yeah, I know that's what I'm talking about, but uh I'm not responsible for hmm? editorial on that comedy special. <laughs> I delivered the footage, and that was all I was on the books for.
0: <laughs> it was still beautifully shot. Oh, it was See, beautiful. Oh man, I, that, I
1: have my footage from that. I have I never, have I have
0: never looked any better on any type of camera ever. I was like, this is, this is what it's like. It gave me hopes and dreams, you know, like to eventually, like, oh, okay, eventually it'll, it'll be here, and when, when I get ready, I, I, I know who to call. So. And, but i'm not ready yet but still still i i know i know where to go i know who to turn to but so all the people can turn to him, where, where can they find you at
1: so i am on instagram uh hunter thomas photography you can look up my imdb and look at my previous work Boom, IMDb. Uh, it is under hunter thomas i am hunter thomas number three on there uh i am on facebook you can look at my company concept 13 studios on vimeo we have a plethora of material on there um can't talk about it yet because we're opening some new companies soon mm-hmm. but uh massive marketing opportunities coming soon hell yeah
0: Hell yeah, that's exciting, sir! Like, man, it's good to see it's it's good to see people doing big things now. Cause, you know, you, you never know where where some people are gonna go. And like, like I was saying, I've been knowing you for quite some time, and like, just to see uh, people grow in this city, in this city down here, I got the hell out of there. But you still stay in New Orleans, so to see people that are still thriving down here doing their thing, it makes me excited you know that like oh okay good good things are still happening yeah
1: it's a great city i it is. uh i every time i leave i miss the food oh, yeah I, I did like <laughs> you can't you we, can't not that not the food i flew out to kentucky to go work on a um a horror movie and in that week i was so missing seasoned food Mm uh me and and one of the guys on my team we we went out to uh kfc because you know it was on the route and and we were working 12 hours a day so it's not like we could go anywhere else and i was so unimpressed (laughs) i i had it in my head like you know we're in kentucky it's kentucky fried chicken it's Ah, gonna be phenomenal i was gonna
0: make that joke but i I didn't want to be too ignorant it was
1: it was so depressing I, I enjoy New Orleans KFC better than Kentucky They got the same KFC. secret recipe,
0: apparently. It, it's the same thing with Popeye's it, out in Texas. It is weird, too. I'm like, it's just something just doesn't, something don't taste
1: right. It just,
0: there's some, some seasoning, something is missing yeah. and it
1: don't pop like it should. Um, and then right when I got back in town, I had like two days back before I flew out to Minnesota to go work on a music video. And then spent a week there and was experiencing Minnesotian hmm. uh, people from Minnesota food. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it was, Minnesotians. You know, it wasn't great. Minnesota, yeah. And I, I did a, a, a conference recently at the convention center downtown. And it was people from all over the world coming to talk and present, you know, whatever they did. And when we went to lunch, on site, uh, we were eating from the convention center food. I was shocked at how unseasoned the food was. <laughs> I, I like, you know, I had gumbo, and I had red beans and rice, and oh. I had a cowboy um, over like two or three days, and everything was the most minimal level of seasoning. And at first I was, I was wondering I why no bland and I gumbo. realized because you got people in from China, you got people in from Who's India. Who's making and, bland gumbo out there in Minnesota? No, this, this was in town. Oh, this was in town. Oh, this okay. was in town. Oh. They were making gumbo that oh, no. was not like really well seasoned. Oh no. And I, I realized that it's because everyone else is not used to the level of seasoning that we have here is everyone died it back. And oh. I had that conversation with someone when I was in Kentucky, they, uh, don't remember her name she was driving me around because we didn't have a car the first day uh she told me that there was someone in town that had a creole restaurant out here Mm -hmm. i'm like i'm gonna have to try that and she's she was telling me that they're not having great sales because everything's seasoned so well and i'm like well that's you know how it goes is you're gonna have to dial back the cajun of it Mm -hmm. to fit the atmosphere of the people. And that's that's where you start to lose the authenticity, and that's why when people try it there and then come here, they're like, oh, this is so spicy. No, it's not spicy. It's seasoned, (laughs) and it's seasoned (laughs) properly. You're used to Kentucky version of Creole. A little bland,
0: a little bland dog. Your taste buds ain't prepared for it yet. That's what's up. Well, man, until next time this has been fun this has been good i'm glad i got to talk to you dude uh, just to let everybody know man uh you can go ahead and find me at uh tell me a joke yo gmail.com email me they never do they never email me but if you do yo, if you, you do don't should email me. him he's cool <laughs> send me in your sweater guards or whatever and man you know this is this is a binocleman it's cosmic say the whole thing like a pimp dane slick back This has been Tell Me a Joke, God Out of Chasing the Dream, and until next time, jokers, keep dreaming.